Hello and welcome to this new CM Medical series, the Digital Health Digest. I'm today's host, James Moore, and my focus here at CM Medical is the digital health market, with a special interest in industry innovators who are revolutionising healthcare through digital solutions to make healthcare more accessible for all. In today's episode, I speak with Toby Cannon, CEO and co-founder at Miles Wellbeing, about their digital health platform, which is helping employees become happier and healthier through exercise. Whether you're interested in employee benefit platforms, health tech, or eager to hear insight from an esteemed leader in the space, then be sure to have a listen. Here it is and hope you enjoy. Morning, so today I'm joined with Toby, uh, CEO of Miles Wellbeing. Morning, Toby, how are you? Morning, morning, very well. Thanks, James. Thank you so much for having me. Great, great. Well, yeah, uh, just on the next episode of the uh, of the podcast, really excited to have Toby on and discuss some things about his company and that that he's done as well. But I suppose, first of all, um, I'll let you introduce yourself and kind of uh, uh, your background and, and everything so far. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm Toby Callan and I'm the CEO and the founder of Miles Wellbeing. Um, to zoom out a little bit, so my background is computer science. So I graduated from the University of York with computer science a few years back. Had a, had a really good time there, absolutely loved it. And then I went into a graduate software engineering job. So that was a finance company called Capital One. So I spent two and a half years there, rotating around their different teams. So doing a lot of their tech products, their mobile app, their website, and all the, the backend stuff that goes on behind the scenes and learned a ton of stuff. Um, obviously in the middle of that, we had the pandemic start as well. So that's when Miles Wellbeing was was created. It was that April time, the start of the pandemic. And it's grown since then. So I went full-time on Miles back in November, so nearly a year ago now. Mm. Um, and it's been a great ride since then. We're a team of five and uh, growing fast. It's been fun. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's so interesting. There were so many good things that were born out of the pandemic. As you say, maybe, you know, Miles Wellbeing wouldn't have happened. But was there something that really made, I suppose you alert to, to start in this what was the trigger from your side that, that made you start miles well-being you said you're in a very good graduate scheme out of university you know it's quite a, a big change from your side definitely definitely and you're right i think with the pandemic that we all know we need margin in our lives but we're awful at creating that margin so by having the pandemic i suddenly had an hour and a half extra day i wasn't commuting i had this margin like given to me which gave us like the time to do that um but yeah i was so i was never a runner i hated running actively despised running since doing starting the graduate, I realized I was sitting down more each day. I was like my lifestyle was becoming more sedentary. Yeah. So I was trying to figure out how do I how do I become become more active? And the obvious one is start running. So I never ran more than about two kilometers before. And I quite like setting big, big goals. So in January time, uh, I thought, you know what, I'm gonna book in for a marathon. That's a Manchester marathon, which is the, the flattest marathon in the UK they advertise, which is the reason for it. But booked in for that, which is I think about March it was meant to be. So it had just over two months of pretty horrendous training, like waking up at four in the morning before work, going running. Uh, and then I was, I'd built up to it and I was so, so proud. And then like a week before the marathon, the pandemic hit. So it was suddenly, how do I, how do I sustain this motivation? The marathon was postponed until September. How do I sustain this, this motivation throughout the whole of summer? And my brother was going to do it. My dad was going to do it. So I thought, you know what, I'll use that software engineering skills that I was talking about and try and build a platform that gives us that sustainable motivation um me and my dad cycled from land's end to john O'Groats the year before so i was like you know what i'll use that we can relate to that and as a family we'll, we'll collectively run from land's end to john O'Groats. so that was how the first app started because we realized that that kind of hybrid of competition because like we're all trying to see who could 
add the most on, but also collaboration. We were, we were moving that pin on the map together. That did wonders for motivation. So that's why we launched Miles back in August, nearly two years ago for the initial challenges platform. Um, we had a great hit with end users. So that was used by over 20,000 people. And then we started selling to companies too. So companies could do office to office bike rides or walks or runs, but do it all virtually. So people could collect their trackers and suddenly it, it opened out the office steps challenges and enabled that to be delivered remotely. Right. Yeah. No, it's really interesting to hear where it's come from and where it is now. Right. So at the start, it was uh, almost a, a running or step cycle tracker and how much it's progressed over what it is to maybe would be good to hear, you know, what the platform actually looks like now and what Miles Wellbeing, you know, is at the moment. Evolution, I suppose, come all the way to being a full well-being app for these guys. For sure. Yeah, definitely. So the first platform, like you say, was like a one-off steps challenges. Yeah. So it's quite... The value it delivers for companies is quite spiky. They might do it for a month, a year, a week, a year, and then do it again. What we were super interested by is how do we deliver like real well-being value to their employees? And well-being shouldn't just be done for, for January. It shouldn't be done for June. It should be like a year-round thing. So we kind of went back to the drawing board. I thought there must be something past step challenges. Step challenges have been done for, for years and years, like decades. What can we do past that? Um, so we did about 30 or 40 interviews with different HR folk, like heads of people, got loads of like fascinating insights as to what what they would value, and decided to build a platform around three key pillars really, and that was like simplicity. People don't want any friction with these kind of things. Like our chimp brain will try and get out of doing exercise, so it needs to be as easy and, and simple as possible. Um, inclusion, so things like step challenges are great if you're already doing steps, if you walk. What if someone maybe can't do steps? What if someone can but prefers to do a sport like swimming or hockey or something else? Um, and then also like sustainable habits rather than do a one-off week how can we do that year round so that's how we came from the one-off challenges to this new platform which focuses on um like sustainability inclusion and, and simplicity yeah yeah and where mal's well-being's at now is i suppose from you know myself looking into it is really encouraging you know employees to get out and moving right it's it's all about and how that connects to employee well-being, how it's making them happier. And, you know, is that something you researched a lot specifically, you know, the connection between having a company where all employees are active, doing all these exercises and track it, and actually maybe their performance or general happiness in a job? Definitely, definitely. And like, we're one of the first generations that have to deliberately build um, like exercise and activity into our yeah. lives. Like you look at loads of recent fantastic tech companies, startups, you look at, um, Netflix, you look at Uber, you look at Deliveroo, Deliveroo, all of those are around convenience. We love convenience, but unfortunately convenience comes at the cost of exercise. So even like like before films, we'd have to go out and we'd, we'd find some entertainment by throwing a stick or doing something outside. That was exercise. Even after that, Blockbuster, you had to go and go to Blockbuster, walk around, choose your film, come back, reach down to the DVD player and kind of come back in. Now with Netflix, you can sit there and just like not like move, move your thumb and that's it. So that's our, our biggest competition against this kind of battle is like convenience culture, really. And you're right, all the links between someone being more active and them being like more productive, them feeling more fulfilled, them being happier, especially post-pandemic, where so much more work is done now online. Like for some areas, screen time is up like 80%. People that weren't working from laptops all the time and now are, are sitting down for that 80% as well because they're on a screen. So how can we encourage and motivate those people to to get moving and not just say 
hey, James, moving is good for you, not just reading an article, but giving them like active encouragement to get out there and, and go for a walk around the block or do something rather than just reading that they should go outside. Yeah, no, no, it's amazing. And I think one thing you said before as well, which I think certainly makes sense and myself having used platforms which are sold to employers, right, is getting the integration for everyone. So, you know, I know here at Charter Morris, for example, you know, there's people play football on a Friday, there's running clubs, but probably in a lot of companies isn't something for everyone, right? You don't want to just sell Miles Wellbeing and all the really active people who are active already are like, yeah, this is great. This is a, a bit of me. I think it's more about getting the people who aren't exercising, who don't feel comfortable doing sport and maybe, you know, how Miles Wellbeing isn't just you know targeted at the people who you think it would be good for you want this as a inclusive i suppose platform for everyone at a company for sure 100 percent. and like that was one of the key messages that came out of um of the interviews was people don't want to do things that exclude anyone in the office so that can end up with people doing nothing because they're scared of excluding a few people and that's that's also a bad outcome because then no one's getting any benefit at all so what we we really want is every single person to feel included in that. Whether like we do different sports, no matter on fitness level, like different abilities, disabilities, we want everyone to feel included. And we look at that in, in two two ways really. The first is the the, the app is it's a, has a lot of concepts from games, so gamification like challenges, trophies, leaderboards. We have two types of leaderboard in the app. The first is your total amount of exercise for that month. So that, that does reward people that are currently going out and running marathons. That's fantastic. That's one aspect to it. The other dimension is the improvement leaderboard. So if you play like golf, it's like the handicap system in golf, but essentially that looks at your improvement compared with your previous three months. So now someone that's running a marathon every week and they're still doing that, or maybe someone that was doing one walk around the block a week and is now doing two, the person that's now doing two walks around will beat the marathon runner because they're the ones making that significant behavioral change. That's the first aspect, the, like the improvement we're looking at. And the second aspect is using um, like uh, our unit, which we call smiles. So rather than looking at steps or distance, we're trying to think how, how could companies use a different metric to, to measure like, people's performance? So, and this is a hard one we were looking at. How do we do this like, most accurately? And we use something called MET, which is metabolic equivalent tasks. So essentially, there's a big register of all activities, whether you do golf, swimming, uh, yoga, whatever that is. And that will have a MET value associated with it. And maybe that's walking's three, running's five. And we can say, okay, James has done a 60-minute run. That's 60 minutes times by the MET value for running. And that way, we can compare all different activity types and look at the actual effort someone like gave during that activity. And that's what we compare, not just steps. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a massive thing as well. It's not all about who can run the run the furthest or whatever. I think and it's such an amazing way of getting everyone included, right? I think the overall goal is having a company who all exercise together and I think it's pretty obvious the the that the sell on having a workforce who are active, healthy for obvious reasons, but you know, even from myself or working with the people I work with here, I can tell when, you know, someone's in a good flow of exercising before work. I will come into work with a different attitude if if I have gone for a run before, you feel different, you feel refreshed. And I think not just on that, you know, how you feel is is on the physical side, but also the mental side. And I think coming out of the pandemic, mental health has been such a problem for everyone across the UK, in the US as well. Um, but I think, you know, we'd be interested to hear Miles' well-being on the reflect of that, not just the physical, on the mental health side of things as well. 
Yeah, for sure. So it's so it's so interwoven, like you say. It's so kind of together. We're initially focusing on adding value to, to the physical health side, but then with the mental health, there's so many studies behind just getting outside, getting fresh air, going for a walk. I'm the same as you. I know that in the morning, if I go for a for a run or a walk, I feel I have more energy than if I have double espresso in the morning. That's yeah. like I love that. I have coffee as well, but I love that as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's just if you're you're working through something, if something's not quite going right. The, the wonders that a, you know, a walk or a run or just, just moving can do. Um, there's so much science behind it, but it's like mental health is so individual to everyone. It's so nuanced um, that it's it's super hard to create something that, that works for everyone. But I think getting outside is something that normally can do not much harm, really. You can always go and try it and see, try and go for a walk, get that sunlight to hit you. And especially now, now thinking about the screen time is up so much we're inside for longer in the day we're maybe not walking from the train station to the office or to, to the bus stop in the morning or something like that so we need to kind of deliberately build in those that margin that that break and get outside and, and just go go for a walk i suppose to jump back in is a point i really wanted to discuss and ask you about was the decision to start up a company on your own um and you know by the way how old are you, by the way, Toby? I'm 24. 24. 24. So obviously a founder and a CEO of a company at a very young age, which already had some success. Um, but I suppose the process of, of thought through that, um, going from working for you know a well-known company in a very secure job, um, as you, we were discussing before, you know, just buying a house. Um, but yeah, what was the process from, you know, I know it was a bit of a side project to making it a full-time thing for you. Yeah, definitely. It was a really hard one is the short answer. But the long answer is um, I'd always been interested by businesses, side businesses. Like growing up, I had loads of weird and wacky side businesses going on alongside the uh, the paper round at the time when I was like 13 or 14. But like between kind of 14 and 20, I had like a clothing brand. I did like website development agency. We did some like cyber products, a few weird like crypto stuff in like the early days of crypto. So I always knew that I wanted to do something Kind of entrepreneurial and and just have fun with the ambiguity that, that, that it lends itself to um yeah so started my capital one grad job absolutely loved it there by the way like capital one's fantastic culture like the work there absolutely loved it which made the, the like the decision to leave even harder for like it was months before where i was wishing that i hated it because yeah. if i did then it would make that decision so easy um and like you say we just bought a house with my girlfriend as well so it was big some big life changes but it made it easier in my head when i kind of thought about it as there's three scenarios, right? One is um, I do it, I, I, as in I go full-time and it goes really well. One's I, I do it, I go full-time and it goes awfully. And the other one's that I never do it and never know. Out of those three, the only one that I regret is, is not doing it and never know. Even if I do it and it goes really badly, I'd hopefully learn a, a ton of stuff, arguably more than if I do it and it goes well. Um, I learn a ton of stuff and then try something else or try to apply for another job. But I thought if I'm... Someone death's door and look back and never tried it. I thought then I'll massively regret it. So let's uh, let's take the leap, try it, um, save a bit of a buffer. And we yeah, I went full time in November time, and then we were fortunate enough to close our fundraise round in January time. So that gave us slightly more security. We had other people backing it as well. It's always nice to get that validation. It's not just an idea in your head. It's actually investors who know what they're talking about. Very intelligent people also back the idea and want to put money on your horse and. You kind of have their support and their their knowledge to, to help grow. And in fact, one of the the investors we were chatting to before I I went full time, he I said to him, I said, "Hey, how how do I know whether to go full time? Like, what, what should I do?" Yeah. I said, "No one can answer that apart from you." 
And he, he painted a really nice picture. He said, like, imagine you're a, you're a cliff diver, right? You're standing there on top of the cliffs and diving off is, is going full time. Cliff divers know when to jump. It's not like someone doesn't say, now jump. There's so many signals. It's like, where's the wind blowing? What's the tide doing? What are the waves like? How close to the rocks is it? And he was like, you need to look at all these signals and then your head weighed up. Is it, is it safe to do that? Is that what you want to do? And so for about six months in my head, I had all these different things coming in with, and all I could picture was this cliff diver. And then one day I was like, you know what, it's, it's safe to dive today. Let's let's do it. Let's try and see. Yeah, yeah, that's that's amazing. Tell what point was Miles' well-being at then? At that point when you went full time, was that the old product that you had, or? And I know you said you, you obviously got got the seed funding in January, but you know when the point came to for you to think, right, finally I'm going to do it. I'm going to resign from my current job and go full time. What were those, I suppose, indicators like the diver has that you were like, right now, now I'm ready. I, I believe in this. Yeah, so you're right, it was the old product. It was our challenges product we had then. And we just finished the Santander X scale-up program. So it's like a mini accelerator run by Santander. And that was like fantastic. Learned a ton of stuff from that. Um, kind of built the confidence. We'd started signing some beer clients with it. So uh, we had Capital One using the platform. We had Brewing Dolphin. We had Dell, who were, they were trying to walk to the moon. That was oh, fantastic. Nice. Um, which is like 380,000 kilometers. So it was like, they, they finished it a few months back, but it was good. Getting that kind of validation thing, okay, these big enterprises who are fantastic companies, want to use the platform, starting to get some more revenue in, now seems like the time to do it. Um, alongside getting some more engagement from investors, some more interest there, um, we thought let's, let's go full time, raise the round and start to grow the team. So then there was just two of us, so myself and my co-founder, Mike, we were both working part-time on it. Um, and then since then, yeah, we've We've grown the team. So we had a freelance software engineer working with us. And as soon as we closed the round, we could offer him a role. So he came on full time. We've got a salesperson joining us now, like a marketing person. And the team's like gradually growing. But it's it was that first switch to yeah, handing the notice in was was terrifying. I remember like we we just got the house. I remember handing my notice in, sitting in this empty room, which was to be the, the new office. Like there was like paint all over the walls, like plastic on the floors. I was sitting on this plastic like lawn chair from the garden, working in my, my old role. On a call with my team, handing my notice, and I could feel my legs. You could see on the camera, my legs were shaking, like absolutely trembling, just because I, I it felt terrifying at the time. But as soon as I kind of made that call, I thought, you know what, let's we have to make it work now. That's that's the thing. There's a story with I forget the story, but the ships and the idea is they go to war and they, they burn the ships and they can't return. It, it felt like that point yeah. where the ships are burned. I've had a notice in. <laughs> Let's make it work as well as we can. It's really exciting. Yeah, I think putting yourself in that situation, obviously, you know, means you have to do it. And it's obviously you've had so much success already. And I bet there are so many ideas out there where people have been been on the cusp of doing it. And it's so easy to stay in, in your normal thing. But, you know, it's 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 amazing to hear. And I think, as you said, you, you started straight away, I'm sure, on, on the first day of work, working for yourself on that Monday. You're like, well, I'm, I'm my own boss now. I can do whatever. But in your situation, it's you and Mike, your, your co-founder, um you know as a uh a ceo and founder with of course a very good product right but you know no real experience in running a company now being ceo and then going to pitch to get seed funding what was that process like as you know quite intimidating i imagine for sure and especially like you see like i had a few side projects but my background was computer science and not business so yeah. i was learning loads with regards to kind of financial forecasts and modeling and like all this sort of stuff that you would learn if you had a background in this, but but I hadn't. Um, my co-founder, Mike, was massively valuable here. He's, his background is business kind of management and stuff. So he I massively lent on him, asking him for advice and all this this stuff. 
obviously it was still more uh, everything was still online because of the pandemic so it was a lot of a lot of zoom calls a lot of trying to get introductions and things which made it it made it easier that you could talk to more people it made it harder to build those those relationships with people that you need if they're going to kind of invest in you and in your company um and what so we raised our our pre-seed round in, back in january um which was 250k and what they're looking for in a pre-seed is someone that's going to hopefully take the product and, and grow with a bit of traction so we were lucky enough to show show some of that traction with the previous clients we had a, like a roadmap for where we wanted to take it um and we thought okay now we've, we've got the funding let's let's really grow and then when we sat down and worked out some of the numbers and how many people we wanted to to really deliver the value to we realized that going down the the b2b path to selling to businesses was the way forward that we could deliver most sustainable value to people so after the fundraise round we decided to to pivot slightly to this new ongoing well-being product but yeah it was it was pretty terrifying trying to raise that that first bit of investment yeah yeah no i obviously managed it and as i'm sure you know your your vouch for is how quickly that money kind of goes right when you're you're building a product everyone thinks you know you get two hundred fifty thousand pounds and everyone's like oh i'm, I'm rich straight away as a ceo right yeah. but i'm sure you know as we've spoken about before you know it, there's still a lot of work to be done from the side of building the product where has most of those resources gone and you know the process of now going for your next I suppose round of funding. Yeah, definitely. I think yeah. You say when you when you first raise it, and if you're like a first time fan, you're like, wow, that's that's so much money. And I yeah. think also the misconception is everyone thinks that's your money. It's, it's not my money; it's the company's money. <laughs> yeah, you need yeah. to like use as the best as possible to grow the company. And you're right. It's it's obviously how startups work is they have a burn rate, which is like how much money you spend each month. Obviously, you're not making that much profit. You're a startup. The idea is you use that funding to then take you to the next round and then grow. And at some point, you'll you'll make break even. So. The, our funding mainly goes towards paying people to build stuff. Um, it's, it's basically salaries and tools. It's like a mix of that. So we're a team of five now. Those people need need paying as well. Uh, and that was a, a pretty terrifying thing was like hiring the first person. Thinking, like, we're responsible for their salary now. We need to make this like as, as secure as we can for them and give them the best experience possible. So yeah, salaries and tools really. And there's just so many cool tools out there for business to use, whether that's um sales refills but it's so hard to find the right one that, that works for you and it's just that that level of ambiguity that like if you're if you're working at a like a big company you have to make some really important decisions but if they go wrong like the company will normally still be there as a startup if you make the wrong decision if you hire the wrong person that can end the whole startup like yeah. completely close the company and there's such a, a range of options right if you imagine it like um like if you're painting a wall, I love analogies. If you're painting a wall, like sometimes like the decision is, should I paint it like white or slightly off white? And you can't really go wrong because there's lots of guardrails there. I think with a startup, it's like you could paint it white, off white, like violet, orange wallpaper, like yeah. no, no paint or whatever, knock it down. And that's, that's the hard thing is like making those decisions. And it's the same with the money. You could spend the money wherever you want, really. Um, but it's making sure that that goes, yeah, to pay the best people and to buy the best tools to help them do the best job. Yeah. And I think, you know, on that, like you say, you know, hiring the right people is massively important for you guys and, and any company and startup. But something that's probably helped you massively is yourself having an engineering background yourself, right? A lot of people have these ideas and then have to find someone to make it for them. And we've spoken about a couple of CEOs I've worked with in the space. Often the best one seems to have a background in what they're doing, not just a, you know, business degree or whatever, and then try and build it from that. You know, it's more about what you actually know. And I think 
you know, yourself being a software engineer and building the platform yourself. Um, how's that been? And also balancing that with actually running the business, but also being the engineer as well. Yeah, it's, um, it's a mixed blessing. It was fantastic to like get us to where we are now. It's been it was so good because like the first pl- platform, like I say, it was written in my bedroom. It's a bit of a side project, just kind of bashing it out in the evenings and in the mornings and things. So it was good to, to build something out. Um, and kind of show a proof of concept because, like you said, there's a lot of people that maybe have the idea but but don't don't do it. But I think a lot of people also don't understand how simple the first product can be. Like all you're trying to do there is show is show demand. That could be as simple as you doing it manually with a spreadsheet or something. There's a way to find like a minimum version that that works. Like our the first version of our app was so simple. It was like I, I looked at the, the the handwritten book that me and my my dad did when we cycled the route. Took all the points, looked at the distances. And then we were just manually putting distances in. So it was like, if we've got to, I don't know, I can't think of the maths, but like 80 miles, then we're at Nuki. If we've done this yeah. far, and that's that's all the product was. There was no tracking with Apple Health, nothing like that. I think there's so much or so many resources online like to help build little things like that, small little low-code and no-code tools. If people are looking at it, definitely look at how can you build something to show there's, there's, there's demand for it, and then you can look at taking someone else on. But... We were fortunate enough to work with a software engineer, like a freelance capacity for about a year before we took him on full time. And he's fantastic. He's a way better developer than me, which is what we need. We need to kind of hire someone better than than what we can currently do. So he leads all of our tech stuff now. And he, I kind of, well, we work together and set, set the intent, set what we're going to do. He leads on all the, like how we're going to do it. And then I help write some of the code bits, but he's a, he's a much better developer than me. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It's like being an architect and the builder, right? right it's, for sure. It's, it, it's amazing. I think, I suppose allows you to create exactly what you want. Obviously you have your help from, from your developer, but having someone hands on, I'm sure that's something I suppose even investors and things love hearing, right? Your background, someone who understands it um, and realizes from that point. But, you know, I wanted to, to circle back to some of the, the main areas we spoke at before about, what Miles' well-being can do, and I suppose touch on why it's needed right now. I think you know we've spoken in the past before about why is there such issues within employers' happiness, mental health, retention right now. You know, I know this is something Miles' well-being will help out with massively, and that's kind of the the sell from from you guys. But you know, what is your view on the way employers and organizations may be getting it wrong right now and why, you know, so many people, especially I think coming out of university, right? You go from, you know, being, you know, with your friends all the time, you know, it's it's you have Wednesdays off for sport, and then all of a sudden you're in a corporate environment and it's seeing people in our generation struggle massively. Um, for working for so many companies, you know, what are your thoughts on that and the current, you know, real problem that that we're having? I think the that like university to work transition to really interesting one with mental health and physical health as well because all the way through your your life, like you have like the the north star if you want to go the university path, which is like you're doing your I don't know, your year six sats and then your year nine mocks and then your GCSEs and there's always like that real clear success criteria in school it's like i've done good and i've done bad and like for good or for bad that might be a good thing bad thing but there's still like guidelines as to to what you should be doing at this point in life and then you graduate from from uni if you go on that path and then suddenly it's like bam there's so many things you could do there's so many different work streams you could do absolutely anything and i think that has a, a part to play in like mental health of, of graduates too where there's just 
an overwhelm of, of so much stuff there. Um, but also with, and that kind of links into to burnout too as well. Like people are working at longer hours on things. Um, it's, there was a study that we kind of put on our blog last week, which was it was 46% of both Gen Zs and millennials have suffered burnout at some point. That's like, that's nearly half of people, which is pretty terrifying. Um, and it's, like I was saying, we're one of the first generations that need to, to deliberately build some of these these things in. We live in such a, a convenience culture here. We're so lucky enough to do that, that we do need to also spend time deliberately building some of these things in. On that, are you thinking Miles platform, obviously you'll sell to companies for everyone to use, right? Inclusion is the biggest thing, but in your eyes, do you think the the newer starters, our generation or, or you know, the, the younger generation is mainly who are going to benefit from this platform? Yeah, so it's going to be targeted at all people. Um, I think anyone that likes likes that motivation like that not being told what to do but like encouragement to go out and, and do it um it is going to benefit from the platform i think younger people are sometimes slightly more competitive slightly more um i don't know yeah it, like, would, would respond especially because we've grown up with like we use a lot of gamification so trophies leaderboards yeah. like we're used to platforms like that and love the, the dopamine hit that we get right that like we're super intelligent, like adults, everyone listening, super intelligent adult, but you get like a, a trophy or a badge or something, that dopamine ping in your brain, like we love it. Like it, it's it's fascinating just how powerful that is. So anyone that enjoys that kind of motivation is, is who we're targeting really. Yeah, definitely. No, no, it's, it's, it's such an exciting time for, I suppose, the company. The platform sounds amazing. And we briefly discussed then um, off the podcast about when the company grows, right? And what you want it to be and i'm sure obviously mike will be involved in it as well and you know what you're really trying to do with this right i think you know having it as a place to work is such it's a big responsibility right so being you know such a young ceo like you are you know it's a responsibility of yours to you know pay your employees look after your employees and what your plans are on growing that and what kind of company you want to do in a startup just interesting what kind of identity miles Wellbeing is going to have yeah, so from an identity point, it's um, I mean, zooming out to the name Miles, it's we wanted to try to be obviously Miles is like the distance unit, like yeah. M I L E S, but also like our name is M Y L E S, and the whole point was to try and make it personable. It's, it's a name. It's a, it's uh, it sounds more kind of interesting and fun, and that's the kind of culture that we want to build. It's something that is is like interesting, is fun that people genuinely work for, and is trying to actually make a difference to people's lives. So. There's a lot of um, fantastic well-being products out there. There's also a lot of ones where it's more around um, like box tick culture for companies. Like companies, like the, in my eyes, there's, there's three boxes of companies. One which is they're doing absolutely nothing for well-being, and that's might be for a, a number of different reasons. Then the other side is companies which are doing like listening to their employees and actively putting stuff in there that helps those employees. Then the middle one, which is maybe someone says we should do more well-being, or someone suggests in a suggestion box, I need more support here. And it is more of a tick box exercise that they could put a platform in there that gets really low engagement. No one really uses. Maybe there's an article on the, the internal internet about why you should go outside. And for them, that's a that's a tick box. It's a very nice LinkedIn post. But we want to be the kind of company that, that does active stuff, not just passive stuff. And creating, like helping people to create sustainable changes. So I love those analogies, like I was saying. And if you imagine, um, I forget what book this was in. So if you imagine you're an elephant rider, right? You're on the top of this elephant. The rider is your your conscious part of the brain, and the elephant's the subconscious part. 
if the elephant sees like donut snacks, it's going to go off. Yeah. Like, the rider can try and control it, but it can't. I think we sometimes get it wrong with mental health, physical health, financial health. We try and change the rider. Like, we try and really work hard on our uh, conscious part of the brain when we need to really be tapping into the elephant, which is the subconscious part, which is tapping into those things that have been baked into us for thousands of years around um, like the social dynamics, around forming habits and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, we want to try and help people change the elephant rather than change the rider because the elephant's always going to win that one. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. And I think, you know, where you're at now, I'm guessing the next few years is going to be, I suppose, major growth for, for you guys. Um, over the next, I know it's difficult, you know, planning this this far in advance, but what I kind of ask all my guests on the show is where you kind of see yourself and your company in five years' time. Yeah, five years' time. So we, we've done our pre-seed round. We're looking to do a seed round uh, next year to, to keep accelerating the growth. In five years, we'd love to have kind of expanded. So we want to be the, the go-to provider for, for like employee wellbeing initiatives that actually work. We don't want to provide solutions for the companies that want to tick a box. We want to provide the solutions for companies that want to actually make a difference to their employees. We're currently focused on physical wellbeing. In five years' time, we'd love to have a suite of products that help employees with, with lots of different areas. Wellbeing is so... It's so wide, it's so like ever changing. The landscape might be completely different in five years, um, but it's so nuanced to each individual. So we'd love to to help out with lots of different areas and helping them to create sustainable habits to improve their like life well being, but not just in the office. Like this kind of well being they take into the evenings and the weekends, and hopefully increase their their quality of life as well. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's the interesting thing about working in the well being, I suppose, sector, especially selling B two B is that you know it's great we, we've got the sale to a major company but it's almost that's when the hard work starts right making sure companies are using it the enrollment obviously you guys from what you're saying and and you can tell from how passionately you speak about it actually want companies who use miles well-being to have a benefit from it it's not just having it as a tick box sorry so the enrollment and actually you know customer success side of things almost will probably be the position but you know making sure they're happy it's once the sale's done it's not just a product it's almost like a service as well almost from what you guys do and the battle of making sure you know companies you sell to are using your product effectively not just to have it for their employees for sure and that's what we're really focusing on is how do we get something that yeah sustainable that pe- like lots of people sign up to because the dynamic works much better when most of the workforce sign up to it um so we're yeah, really focusing that with things like how do we get the platform in front of people's faces where they currently are like so it's so super frictionless so using tools like like we've currently got a slack integration we're working on a microsoft teams integration so you can see the leaderboards you can see your progress directly where you're currently working obviously it's iphone app um and the android app as well and it's linking in with we currently connect with about 25 to 30 like providers like garmin apple watch google fit and expanding that list to make things as as easy as possible for people to use but then it's also how do we how do we keep people's attention how do we we like incentivize them to keep using the app and we're still experimenting with what's what's going to work work best there really um like the app is based on ongoing leaderboards to provide that long-term like motivation but we also know that people like changing stimulus like they like things that change they like kind of highly stimulated things so there's also elements of the app that are ever-changing like our like challenges that maybe change every few weeks um at the trophies and things there's, there's extra bits to it so once people, like once the company signs up for miles, like you say, that's the first step. Then it's like, okay, how do we get people 
as many people on board the platform as possible. That's the second step. And then it's how do we get them actually using the platform long term and don't just open it and think, yeah, whatever, I'll, I'll start on next week. How do we kind of bake that into part of their lives? Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. And I think what you've you've touched on a couple of times is obviously we've spoken about your your engineering background, right? And now you're in a CEO position. Um, but I think even more than that, because you're such an early stage company, probably having to wear every hat, right? You've probably had to be part of marketing, sales, whatever, you know, customer success, doing the pitches yourself. How has that been from a learning point personally for you? You know, like like you said, you know, this isn't where you're, you've been, you know, you've studied or your background is. I think obviously speaking with you now, I'm sure all the listeners will agree you come across very well and the, 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 the sell will probably come quite naturally. But how is it wearing so many hats in such an early stage company? It's great fun. It's really good fun. Um, you have to get, I think, comfortable with knowing enough. Yeah. I'm not an expert. I, I love being sort of floating between different areas. I'm not an expert in any one particular area. There's lots of people that will be better than me at all these areas. Um, I love floating around different different ones. And the hard thing is, so what the challenge is, is like, I think most of my, or a lot of my mental energy you spend trying to figure out where should your time be spent rather than actually doing the task. It's really hard to make like, to think, okay, is it is the focus now on on growth? Should I be helping out with trying to get more leads in for sales? Should I be um, helping our fantastic developer doing some like code work to build a product? And it's it's really good fun, but it's it can be mentally tiring, especially with that, the cost of context switching. If, you, if you're not careful, it's like, oh, you're 20 minutes of this and 50 minutes of that. And it's, so I've found like calendar blocking, starting to use that for like, okay, this morning I am just doing this um, to be really useful, especially when, yeah. So you try to swap hats, still swapping hats just as much, but just less often. Yeah, yeah. No, really interesting. And I think as well, you know, I'm sure people are interested. You've had obviously a platform which has, has, has gone very well, but I'm sure it hasn't been plain sailing, you know, all the way through. What would you say has been the biggest challenge or thing you've learned the most since starting Miles on your own full yeah. time? Yeah, so um, the few things that haven't gone plain sailing. Um, I, I mean, in the early days, it was a very kind of bodged together platform. Let's make something quick. So when if clients come on the platform and suddenly you see things starting to break and you're trying to kind of fix them as fast as you can behind the scenes to get things up and running, that was a few kind of stressful evenings to get them working. Um, but I think that the main the main challenge that I think we found is something that we I don't think we've still found a solution to it yet, but it's, it's a challenge is around the balance, like us trying to find the balance between accuracy and privacy. People like love privacy for obvious reasons. Like yeah. you don't want to go share information with everyone, but unless we have that information, the data can't be as accurate. So we're trying to look at people's effort, like we were saying earlier, and we're using Mets for that. We could use your your weight, your heart rate, your breath rate, and all this stuff, which will give us really accurate data on how much like exertion you, you've kind of given into that that activity. But it's a balance. Some people absolutely hate that. Would never want to give their weight and have the the possibility that could be shared with employees. So it's trying to find that kind of cultural balance between privacy and accuracy. I think there's so many examples in any startup with product development where. I love picturing it as a, as a tightrope where you have to choose which side, if you're going to fall off one side, which side you want to fall off, that you're never going to get the balance quite right. And on this one, I think we, we want to make sure that privacy is a big thing, like yeah. especially with, with any data, but especially health data, right? So that's why we've, we've, we're using Met for now and not looking at things like heart rate and stuff. But that was, yeah. So tech issues with things is just completely breaking behind the scenes and trying to frantically get them working, but also that and uh, 
that balance as well. Yeah, and I think you know the main area we we spoke about before was, and what people I know will find really interesting is the jump you took right from going to the, to this full time, I suppose, entrepreneur position. Hopefully, this podcast will encourage people to you know maybe take that step or start thinking about it much more. You know, what would be your message to someone who does have an idea right now, who is in a in a comfortable position and really wants to take that leap who is in that that skydiving position right now right but not sure you know what to do what would you you say to them to maybe encourage them to 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 follow you know their real passion on starting something themselves i think initially work out why you want to do it if you want to do it because you want to have a few cool linkedin posts and get some like good <laughs> brand new brand new, like, don't do it because it's the fastest way to burn out yeah like, if you want to do a startup it's going to be a lot of like mentally tiring thing it's going to be um, like potentially longer hours, it's, it's going to be challenging. If you want it for the for the ego, I'd, I'd recommend not doing it. Um, if you want it because you think actually this this you'll really enjoy working on this. Um, I think yeah, picture yourself on that cliff. You're about to jump off. You've got all these different signals coming in, whether that's like financial security, how well you think the platform's going to do. Like talk to people in the industry. What I found is people genuinely love talking about like what they do. So. Like, which is why I'm, I'm talking right now. I genuinely enjoy it. So like, contact people. If you're looking at a, a certain area, maybe you want to build a new tool for recruitment or something, like go and talk to people who are in that industry. Figure out, like, would this work? Why wouldn't it work? Is there anything similar? And you'll get loads of insights from that. Like When we were building this new platform, it was so, so valuable having those 30 or 40 HR chats with different people. A, to get like a list of features, but also all the stuff that's much wider than that, all the general kind of nuances that go with it. Um, so yeah, use LinkedIn, chat to people, reach out. Imagine you're on the cliff, wait for those signals. And I think if if the time is right, you're going to think like, what's what's the worst that can happen? And the worst normally is the startup goes really badly and closes and folds. And you're going to think, okay, what's my, what's my plan then? And as long as you're set then, then I'd say go for it. Yeah, no. And I think speaking with you today, you can tell you're 100% doing it for the right reasons. And it's refreshing to hear, I think, in this space, speaking with someone who, you know, is almost at the future of the the kind of digital well-being and platforms. We've spoken about some of the companies I work with and, and the areas that are going on here. But to have a UK-based company, you know, at such an early stage, but with such a really good niche, I think that's where I find the most success from companies I've worked with, right? Getting their niche right. You know, if someone said, you know, what are you CEO of? It's something that really is a very particular area, right? It's you, your product is is super focused and is obviously very high quality in that area. So it's been amazing to, to, to speak with you. Thank you so much for coming in. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people will really enjoy, you know, hearing, you know, your thoughts, Miles' well-being, and also, you know, keep an eye out for what you guys are doing over the next few years. For sure. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great Perfect. fun. Thanks, Toby. Cheers, Cheers, James. So that was my Digital Health Digest with CEO of Miles Wellbeing, Toby Cannon. I'd like to thank Toby again for his time and insight he provided on his company and its success. I hope anyone who is interested in any of the points we discussed during the podcast could gain some valuable perspectives from his role and experience in the industry. Check out the rest of the series for plenty more insights from industry leaders in the digital health space. Thanks again for listening. I've been your host, James Moore. Bye for now.